0: So, never in my life have I known less what I'm going to say as I come to a teaching uh, than I do right now. Um, partly because we are on this um, discipleship circles. We're just talking about these four kind of core areas of discipleship that we as a church believe. That that as a one who is following after Jesus, we are engaged in building community. That we are engaged in training others to to follow after Jesus together, that we are, next week, uh, Ashley Power is going to come and she's going to share about this invitation to love, that that when we are disciples following after Jesus, we will be modeling and experiencing the love of Jesus in our life. And then there's this fourth circle, that those who follow Jesus are engaged in the act of serve or our discipleship circle the way we would talk about it is we are serving others and proclaiming the good news that there's both and that that when we follow Jesus we will be serving others and we will be telling them about Jesus so that brings this question then like what is the good news what is the gospel and it's not that I have it's not that I don't have a lot that I could say the problem has been that there's just so much to say that I have no idea how to say something useful or helpful. <laughs> so this week, uh, a few of us met and we were reading from Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 says this, uh, starting in verse 2. Uh, no, we'll start. we'll start in verse 3. It says, May God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And then he says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. And so, Galatians, he says, "I'm shocked how quickly you're turning away from the gospel." And and one of the comments is, as we were reading this passage together um, the other day was, "Well, what what is the gospel that Paul preached?" And 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 one of the things that's really interesting as we look through the history of of the word gospel and what is the gospel is that it changes. So in the 1100s a, a man named Anselm was uh, came along and he was speaking to a very medieval context and he came up with a theory of atonement called the satisfaction. Theory of atonement in which God must be satisfied for the dishonor in which he has experienced from human sinfulness calvin came along and modified it a little bit later and and it created another but it wasn't the first others would say uh it was my personal favorite the christus victor uh sto- theory of atonement in which god the death of christ defeats the powers of sin and death and and that the enemy is the um is, is the devil uh i first john you know jesus came to destroy the works of the devil is, you know that seems pretty clear to me uh 1950s there's this guy named bill bright who's working for campus crusade and he comes along and he creates something called the four spiritual laws which if you're like me was a little bit of a, a discovery that the four spiritual laws you know god has created this perfect world we sin jesus rescues us so that we can have a life eternal with him i uh, i was I was shocked to discover that that wasn't since the early church, that that actually only became 1950s, that that became the language that we use for gospel, the way we presented the gospel. So how did Paul present the gospel? Here's one of the shortest gospel presentations in the scriptures. It's 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what was passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So what is the good news? What is the gospel that Paul... That Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said. Two pieces. One, the gospel is not a what. The gospel is a who. It's not a theory of atonement. It is not a path of, of how to get down a road marked out by Romans to get to a place. The good news is Jesus. The good news is a person. It is Jesus who has given Himself. And as Scriptures say, is the other piece. Because the Scriptures, the whole story of Scripture, is moving us in a story in which God is becoming King. That Jesus is the enthroned King. That by His death, His resurrection, and His ascension, Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord as we would say. So the gospel is the good news that Jesus is king, that he has risen and he is a person. It is a story of God. And so people talk about how do we how do we share the gospel? What is the good news that we want to invite people to? I love the language that Jesus is if Jesus is king, well, well, that means that as king, he adopts us. And so uh, one of the interesting things um, is the way I think as we look around the world, Bill Bright, when he came up with the four spiritual laws, was a genius. And he spoke the gospel in a way that connected with an entire generation. And it was fabulous in that moment as people looked around at their lives and said you know what yeah we we really did mess up everything like they were dealing with this brokenness of family and breaking away from other uh historical you know norms of life and and there was rebellion and and everybody could say yeah i'm totally i am a rebel i am one who has strayed away from god i need to be brought back because i've rebelled against government and I've rebelled against my family and I've rebelled against and and it, it worked. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful articulation of the gospel in its time. But society changes and we live in a world now where people don't even recognize that they've broken any rules. We live in a world where people say, well, those might be your rules, but they're not my rules. So why would I, why would I agree did I remember, like, I'm not a sinner. You know, this is be the a lot of the conversations that I have where people don't even have this. So then what we've done is we've had to convince them that they're sinners so that we can save them. Um, and so we, we, that's working against maybe what God is already doing. I love this one. The gospel is adoption. That God the Father adopts you back into his family. That where you have lost and and we know so many people who who families are broken mom and dad are divorced grandparents are divorced and who am i where do i belong who where's my where's my sense of belonging god adopts you as his child so if the gospel is that jesus is king well the king as king jesus adopts us into his family as the King, He rescues us from our enemies, from the powers of sin and death and d- destruction. As the King, He invites us to participate in His reign and His rule in this kingdom. And He invites us to bring the good news of reconciliation to people who are far away, and we engage in the spread of the reign of the King. As the King, He has the power to forgive us when we sin, when we do break the rules. As the King who is firmly established in the heavens, he gives us security and hope. The good news is that Jesus is a king. And as such, he adopts us, he rescues us, he invites us, he forgives us, he secures us. And so as we think about that in our, in our discipleship steps, we have this, this serve and proclaim, these two hands of the gospel and what and you can go back and you can listen to all the sermons I was preaching in spring when I was really, we were talking about this, right? Like what happens within the evangelical church is, is, is there's a split between the social gospel and the proclaiming of the good news of rescue in Jesus, right? This happens in the... 50s, 60s, really. And, and what, what happens now is, is we're, we're experiencing this again in the church. There's a constant swinging of the pendulum between these two. Is it, is it social gospel, or today we might say social justice, or is it salvation by faith and, and saving? And, and, and if you look through the history of the church, we'll see this swing back and forth, back and forth. As a church, as disciples, what we want to say is that it's both we serve, and we proclaim. And I was thinking about that, I was like, well, I I think that that also gives a freedom that some people are going to be passionate about the issues of justice and serving others, and they will go and they will, you know, their passion will be clean water and drinking water for people. It will be indigenous reconciliation. It will be um, uh, language and and fixing rights and making. Fixing wrongs and bringing right into into society, and there will be others who are passionate about talking about how Jesus is the king who saves and rescues and wants to see people set free from their addictions and their and their rebellion against God that expresses itself in sinful and harmful patterns, so we do both some people will do more than others will do this and 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 what I hope and what I would call us to is to think well of each other. Because the gospel, as I was struggling <laughs> to articulate, is large. A couple quotes, Christianity is not about being nice, it's about being new, With Tim Keller, like that. The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die, right? And Dallas Willard, his whole other... The, um, the gospel that Jesus preached is good news of God's universal reign. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good articulation. Uh, Sarah Maynard is a, a Mennonite Brethren pastor um, in Ontario who at our study conference a couple of years ago, she said, in one word, the gospel is adoption, that God fathers us. And I really, I really like that, too. Um, so it, it, there's so much, right? Like, uh, I love Desmond Tutu once said, I don't preach a social gospel, I preach the gospel, period. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is concerned for the whole person. And so when a person, when people were hungry, Jesus didn't say, now is that political or social? He said, because good news to a hungry person is bread. <laughs> right? So there's, there's so much, and, and we, we can take each one of those, and we can debate them, and we can argue about them, and we can, you know... The Gospel is good news. It's the good news of the person who is Jesus, who is King. And so however we then choose to express and live it out, I think we just need to live it with uh, a generosity towards others who then want to feed people because of Jesus or want to tell them about how they can be saved because of Jesus. And let's look at each other with... Grace. And let us be aware that we are all called to both. So here's a closing passage that I'd like to read. Forgot to mark it. This is James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does it do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds. Now, oh, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And so we hear in James, you know, in in Peter, we hear we are saved by faith. In Paul, we hear you are saved by faith. And in James, you hear, serve others. (laughs) Do it. The gospel is both. As a church, we are called to serve others and proclaim the good news that Jesus is King. Let us hold to that hope. Let us... Um, I think if there's one practicality, one, one we can talk about our confession, page. if there's one practical piece that I would just like to empower you with, is that sharing the gospel is actually much simpler than we thought. You don't have to go out and you don't have to figure out how to work some four spiritual laws into your conversation with somebody. You don't have to pull out your Bible and explain to someone how to travel through the Romans road. To share the gospel is as simple as declaring that Jesus is the King. And sometimes that will be serving bread in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it will be praying with someone for their deliverance from the powers that enslave them and hold them captive. Sometimes it will be telling them about the hope and the secure foundation that you have for a life eternal with Christ because of what He has done and the way He offers you new life and eternal life. Any conversation in which Jesus can come becomes a gospel conversation and a Jesus conversation. You don't have to do the whole thing at once. You can just share parts. Whether it's serving or proclaiming, you are being faithful to the gospel. Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just ask that we would be uh, good disciples and good followers of you. Jesus, I thank you that you are the resurrected King, that you sit enthroned in heaven and you dwell within us. Jesus, I thank you that as the King of this universe, the King of my life, of my brothers' and sisters' lives, that you have forgiven us. I thank you that you have saved us. You have redeemed us. You have set us free. That Jesus, as King, we are adopted into this royal family. We have this new belonging in your family, God. I thank you that, as King, you destroy the, the walls of hostility that we build up between other people, and that now you reconcile us with our neighbors and with those around us. I thank you that, as King, you are victorious that your uh, reign and rule will extend and last forever and that you invite us to participate in that now but also in all of eternity we thank you jesus that you are our king help us to live well in that knowledge that you are our king may our discipleship reflect a realization of your place as our King and our Lord, and our place as those who serve and follow. May we be faithful, and by your Spirit, Lord, make us faithful. In your mercy. Amen. The uh, affirmation of faith from the Apostles' Creed is a gospel story. It is the story of the gospel. It is the story of Scripture that that in many ways Paul declared. So let us together... Uh, tell the story of the gospel together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting.